This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed because of the inconsistencies within the game at the moment. Um frustrated because I thought it was a really good first half performance after the initial first three or four minutes um, but disappointed uh, with our mentality when the penalty was given and um, you know they score and I felt it it affected us too much and that's what cost us the game at the end of the day you know the, we can all argue till the cows come home whether it was a penalty or not um, Douglas shouldn't be shouldn't be planting a foot but is that enough for him to go down no, we all know that. Um, and I'm fed up talking about penalty decisions or dubious penalty decisions against Manchester United. Welcome to the My <laughs> Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host for what is a Villa podcast that tackles the annual, well, twice annual problem of lifting the depression of playing Manchester United. Joining me to hopefully help me do that, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome back. Hello, mate. How are you? Wonderful. And Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Phil Shaw? Fine, just the same as always. Right, so once upon a time, we had the problem against Manchester United was last-minute goals, injury-time winners from the Manx. Didn't matter if we were 2-0 up, 1-0 up. They always won the games. Then we had this problem where we'd have to bloody draw them at their peak in the FA Cup third round every fucking year, thus quashing our chances of lifting a trophy we haven't lifted since 1957. Now, there's a new... Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Achilles heel. That make, makes out as to be really good. And, you know, Achilles heel is like a little weakness. It's more like us trying to kill his heel. Yeah, it's more like an ongoing curse. And the ongoing curse now is Manchester United always playing for penalties when they're 1-0 down against us and always duping the referee and they got away with it again. We knew it was coming because... The day before, I put out a tweet saying Villa sweepstake. <laughs> you did, yeah. <laughs> Guess which minute their token penalty brackets that wasn't a penalty will be in uh, on Sunday's game. Many um, entries because everybody knew it was going to happen. <laughs> how many were there in the end? About a good few hundred, weren't there? Yeah, and I think the actual foul took place. It was. 50 minutes and 30 seconds so somebody put 50th minute somebody put 51st so it's a joint winner there but the moral of the story is we knew it was bloody coming anyway we'll talk about this unfortunately <laughs> later on in the show as we try to uh feel better about the whole incident that you actually know that's coming but uh and it's almost set up identically to how we've lost to them in the last couple of seasons where we uh, have the initiative and it's almost like it's just setting us up for the fall, isn't it? Rather than just getting beat 2-0, bing, bang, bosh, 3-0, they always give us that false sense of security first before they start performing their little dark arts on us. Maybe it's all sort of 
karma from that 1957 cup final when McParland blattered their goalkeeper into the net with the ball. Yeah, I think we've paid for that, Phil. I think we've paid in karma for that. <laughs> paid for that decades ago. <laughs> We're due to do it to him again. I mean, you know, as uh, Chris said on the uh, Something for the Weekend podcast, the last time we beat them at Villa Park in the league, they'd only just brought in Sunday dr- all-day drinking, hadn't they? Unbelievable. Well, Sunday pub hours. Yeah, ridiculous. I wasn't even old enough to drink. Yeah, 95, which uh, a year after we beat them in that cup final. I'm just throwing that cup final in as evidence that we did once beat them. In a game uh, that mattered. (laughs) Yeah, in a game that mattered. Uh, Anyway, coming up in the show, uh, we'll try to perform an exorcism. So uh, next season, we'll do better. We'll also look at the uh, recent Villa news. If you didn't listen to something for the weekend, uh, there may be a couple of things uh, from that show that we'll expand on. And then the three points before the United game. And then an overrated and underrated with somebody who is uh, a bit peculiar, isn't he? Mr. Kieran Richardson. Bit of a lost soul, you'd say. Bit of a lost mm-hmm. soul. God bless him, literally. Right, let's get into the Villa news. Uh, Mr. Prince William was at uh, Bodymore Heath collecting... Uh, uh, updating his selfies with the uh, the players and also uh, securing his ticket for Chelsea, probably. Also paid tribute to uh, Dean Smith's uh, departed father, didn't he? In, nice in touch. His, uh, in his speech. He was there to uh, well open up the uh, the revamp that Bodymore Heath has had with its high-performance uh, centre. Christian Perslow gave his uh, rallying speech about how the training complex is now one of the finest in UK sport. Uh, the work is still ongoing. There's going to be a creation, uh, creation of multimedia analysts facilities, mini auditorium, individual player and coach meeting areas. That sounds a bit ominous, is it? Like, oh, a, yeah. like, like there's the rack, there's the thumb screw. There's, uh, <laughs> it still sounds a bit, I'll see you after class. A bit of a clockwork orange, just hold their eyelids open and make yeah. them watch their performances back. Mr. Barkley, uh, this way, please, to the uh, individual player and coach meeting area. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so hope well, maybe this will solve some of the problems that we've been facing in 2021. But uh, it makes, I mean, ultimately, it's one of those when you're signing players that it may sway a player that's uh, in a rare position where two teams have offered him the same wages. Ah, yes. <laughs> and uh, and then he's on the uh, what else can it, what whatever pros and cons are they? And uh, since players spend most of their time well villa players would spend most of their villa time at bodymore heath the better it is the more enjoyable it is to go into work so to speak yep. meanwhile uh, mr i haven't done the maths but it's around 60 65 mr 60 65 appearance this season jack grealish wins the F- midlands football writers association player of the year i don't know if it's one of those things that's done in advance so how far in advance Exactly. So they, <laughs> I think his profile and the brand has gone up big time, regardless if he's played the last two months or not. So these things always play into it. But in terms of Villa, you know, you've got to be looking at that defence and Martinez, I think. Martinez, Conza. Targets up target there. Target maybe, yeah. They're, they're, they're the three you'd be up there for your player of the year. Gongs, you'd have thought. Yeah. I mean, Jack's performances the first half of the season were brilliant, but if you over the whole season. Yeah. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, uh, the Daily and Atkinson uh, court case, is it five years ago now? It was 20, 2016, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's like it was like kicked in the long grass of people's memories. But now, uh, I think we mentioned in the previous show, the uh, court case is up and running. PC Benjamin Monk and PC Mary Ellen Betley Smith are both on trial in Birmingham regarding the incident uh, that obviously led to Adelian Atkinson's death. Uh, the interesting thing here, which uh, I mean. This is the kind of crux of the matter, and, and I think why it happened. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to uh, run the case here on this podcast, but the two PCs were in a relationship, and you've got a position there that if it all kicks off, and let's say Dalian Atkinson pushes, you know, one of them, the other one's going to respond, let's say, in a more emotional. Yes. and heightened uh, state because obviously you know it's, if somebody uh, hits or pushes or insults your boyfriend or girlfriend it's going to be harder to uh, let's say toe the line in behavior mm-hmm. the crux of the matter is uh, he was kicked in the head a couple of times while the other pc was hitting him with a bat and this is after he'd been tasered three times and then the second one was uh, six times longer than the normal duration of uh, a tasering. I think it's five seconds, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was, he was tasered for 33 seconds, wasn't he, as it was reported. Yeah. So uh, this is him being uh, kicked in the head and uh, beaten with a baton after that, which it's not really self-defense at that point. It's uh, This is acting in uh, anger, and I think that's because of the emotional uh, connection there. But uh, we will see how the, uh, the jury uh, views it uh, probably by the next time... Uh, the next podcast uh, pops up. Meanwhile, uh, the Villa ladies uh, managed. I mean, it's quite an incredible feat. This is this is like achieving something by doing the mo- the most minimal, <laughs> bare minimum, <laughs> <laughs> the bare minimum. They survived relegation on the last day with another nil nil draw. I don't, how many nil nil draws have they? Three on the bounce. Yeah, two on the bounce. No, they they drew a couple again. They've 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 drawn their last five. Is it? I think they just feel like losses, David, because they gave away goals in the last kick of the game. That's right. Yeah, but they've they've uh, they've drawn. I think three nil nil. Yeah, and uh, but this one was against Arsenal. I don't know if Arsenal were playing their full strength team. Uh, I, I, I doubt it's it. A great because, result on the face of it, though, isn't it? Because yeah, it was it was a dead rubber game for them they were in uh, third place Bristol needed to beat Brighton to have any chance but Villa managed to stay up by just winning three games out of 22 which is uh, quite astonishing uh, record there and Bristol only won two that's ultimately why they dropped yeah they did buck the trend though of Villa getting relegated whenever there's a big TV deal just arrived (laughs) yeah Yeah. because next season uh, the the women's uh, Super League will be featuring on Sky Sports. But looking at Villa, I mean, I don't want to single out Villa for only three wins in 22 games, but Birmingham City and West Ham, the two teams above them, also only only, uh, secured three wins. So your next step of your evolution is to improve more so than your Birmingham Cities and your West Ham, and then you'll secure your place but you'll be able to jump up a few uh, places straight away. Uh, meanwhile, uh, people are waiting anxiously to see if they've won uh, in the ballot to get a ticket for one of the 10,000 tickets for the Chelsea game for the last game of the season. Actually, it's 9,998 because I'm sure Prince William's got a couple. Uh, <laughs> They're in the bag. <laughs> Yeah, that's why he came to visit. Meanwhile, Burnley are giving away their tickets for free, are they not? They are, apparently. Yeah, they got is it three, three and a bit thousand, but they've got a new owner who's clearly on the charm offensive. So while 
Tottenham yeah. are charging 60 quid for their game against Villa and we're charging about 45, 50 quid for the Chelsea game. Burnley are yeah. free. Yeah. Those are the top top level tickets, it has to be uh, said. I think it's classed as a Category A yes, yeah. game and the top ticket is 50 quid at Villa Park. So uh, it's, it's one of those, there's two sides to the story, isn't it? There's uh, The club have been without gate receipts. Not that they you know, don't really need them, do they? Not that penalised by it, considering how much TV money they get nowadays. But uh, also at the other end... Uh, there is that, you know, there is room for a nice gesture. So hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, somebody who works at Aston Villa in the marketing department or something, to have a nice little uh, welcome home present on the seat uh, may go down quite well with uh, Villa supporters considering uh, this long, long pandemic period of time. Just an idea. Right, it's time to uh, just take one step out of the Villaverse for a second uh, to tackle the three points of the week. Point number one, Jens Lehmann, remember him, Arsenal goalkeeper once upon a time, has been sacked from Hertha Berlin's board after sending a WhatsApp message to pundit Dennis Ogo, calling him a quota black guy. Ogo, who works for like the Sky, well, it's Sky, isn't it, in Germany, yeah, yeah. posted a screenshot of the message from Lehmann on Instagram and wrote, wow, you're serious. The message was probably not for me. Lay- yeah. Lehman apologised and said uh, he meant that as ex-German defender Ogo was very knowledgeable, he had helped increase the quota. Is that lost in translation or just casual slip or could be a bit of both? Yeah, it's, it's you just don't go there, do you? And, no. uh, if you're going to make a comment like that, the hammer's going to fall. Uh, Especially if you're on the board, it's uh, it's not exactly sending out uh, a good message, is it? Point number two, you may remember this smiley little ginger fella when uh, Aston Villa last visited uh, Portman Road. Ed Sheeran is to put his name on the uh, Ipswich Town kit, his uh, hometown team. It's well, not actually his name, it's more his branding, isn't it? He oh, always yeah, likes it's to the use- logos from his albums, I believe. He likes to use symbols, uh, and this will feature mathematical symbols and the word tour, so it's his latest tour. He always uses symbols, doesn't he, for album covers yeah. and tours yeah. and whatever. You should just use like a pound sign since he's so rich. Well, <laughs> uh, don't don't pull him down just because he's successful and he's worked no, hard I'm, I'm hard p- in his life while you've just like sat on your ass <laughs> ass playing PlayStation all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm I am pulling him down because I much prefer I much prefer um, what Jake Bug's sponsorship of uh, Notts County. He just has Jake Bug written on the front. Just yeah, yeah. None, <laughs> none of this nonsense of giving the symbols and promoting the next album. It's just like it says it out like it is. Jake Bug. Right across the front. Yeah, but I think it's a bit. I'd be. I'd feel a bit weird, uh, like wearing a, another man's name. It's like you know when wearing like boxer shorts with somebody's name on it. It's like, like Calvin like, Klein. Yeah, anybody's <laughs> like Beyond Borg or. I think I'm wearing Calvin Klein's right now, David. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, are we getting sponsored? Are we getting some free? I need, <laughs> yep. I can't think of. <laughs> But it is kind of, you know, if you boil it down, distill it down yeah. to its essence, just walking around wearing another man's name on your bloody crotch. Bit bizarre, really, when you yeah. think about it. I mean, Wet 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 did a similar thing apparently in 93 with their... Um, I remember this, yeah. There. It's a bit even weirder having Wet 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 on the, on the, you know, the front of your shirt. And obviously Fatboy Slim famously did it with Skint Records, didn't he, on the Brighton kit? Yeah. Um, which is ironic because Brighton was skint at the time. It's better than having wet, wet, wet in your boxers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah, I always, I always quite like the skint uh, sponsorship just because yeah. of the the irony uh, you could have on uh, 
And then there's been sort of collabs as well. I know Prince and PSG, or the Prince sort of the, you know, the, the, the family, they did a collab with um, PSG a couple of years ago. Iron Maiden did one with West Ham back in 2019 as well. So there's been a few musical people who've kind of done things yeah. with their teams. I think, uh, I mean, uh, this is uh, Ed Sheeran essentially putting back to yeah. obviously the football club big part of his community and he just wanted to show his support i think it's a, it's a great touch it's something that probably in today's game you, you could top level is probably championship to make it financially viable for this mm-hmm. because you know premier league too much money but it's quite a savvy move as well because the amount of press you get from it as well like here we are football podcast and we all know that uh, ed sheeran's got a tour coming up just because of the story so uh, that's why they pay the uh, the Wonga because as well as uh, seeing it on TV and on socials and promo, it's it's uh, you know it, it makes news and it's probably a, a cheap time to get it on their shirt because they're not exactly flying, are they at the moment? Well, no, exactly. But as, that's what I was saying that that this kind of level of, you probably wouldn't he wouldn't do it if Ipswich were in the uh, the Premier League, right? Point number three: former Spurs and uh, recently Marseille manager. And Chelsea as well. Andre Villa Boas follows his suspension and contact contract termination by Marseille by I, I like this. this. This is quite cool by signing up to make his World Rally Championship debut in this month's Portugal Rally. He'll be driving a Citroen C3. Is this like dirt tracky kind of rough? This is off road, oh, mate. This is like you know super impressive. Colin, Mc, mm-hmm. Colin McRae territory, yeah, yeah, ah. top level as well. The yeah. WRC. He competed in the Dakar Rally in Peru in, uh, I didn't know any of this, in 2018. Yeah. And that's serious, man. That's like proper off-roading. Yeah, that's you know, this sort of thing. If you if your car breaks down, you die type thing. Yeah, in the dunes and deserts and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really dangerous. Because he, he withdrew from that because he had some kind of back injury from a crash, actually. Yeah. It's probably he's still recovering from that while he was at Marseille. That's why uh, he thought playing Sanson was a good idea. <laughs> Oops, sorry. You <laughs> <laughs> thought selling him was a great idea. He's probably surprised why he got ter- his contract terminated. He's well, quite got rid-, got rid of that dead wood. What are you talking about? Oops, sorry. Yeah, it's quite a good timing <laughs> to go to Portugal, seeing as it's one of the only places you can go on holiday soon anyway. But yeah, no, it's, I always like it when uh, somebody in football has got like a full-on passion, a- extracurriculum uh, activity but at a top top level though i remember ian botham used to play football for scunthorpe united yeah didn't daly thompson as well he played for mansfield town didn't he yeah it's back in the, and i remember andy moles at warwickshire the cricketer he used to play for coventry coventry city back when players used to sort of play winter football summer cricket yeah that, well that was how i mean back go oh, way 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 back no, that's, I'm just saying that's how Aston Villa started. It yeah. was like cricket lads wanting something to do in the winter. And obviously, of course, Chris Waddle was an amazing pop star. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about him and him and Hoddle. Yeah. Diamond lights. <laughs> great, great hair again. Right, uh, to the exorcism. Especially important is the warning to avoid conversations with the people. We may ask what is relevant, but anything beyond that is dangerous. He's a liar. The demon is a liar. He will like to confuse us. But he will also mix lies with the truth to attack us. The attack is psychological, David. And powerful. I don't know if we're good. this oh, is going to be God. successful or not. How 
here we are again talking about the same kind of fucking game. This almost it's like a template, isn't it? It's like three D yeah. model printed. It's Villa start brightly, blah blah blah, score, blah blah blah, dodgy penalty. United play for the penalty and then just finish the job off. Match reaction done. Yep. Yeah. I'm surprised bookmakers haven't been bankrupted on it. I mean, you can just like lay it out yeah. there and bet on it. So going into this game, Villa were hoping to uh, continue the bounce uh, after a very very improved performance against Everton, winning performance against Everton. United uh, are suddenly, it's almost like their season has uh, caught fire after getting through their European semi-final on Thursday night. And Villa never do well against teams who play in Europa League match before uh, they uh, they clash with them. This was Manchester United's, uh, was it for three games in five or is that including? No, that's they've got three three games in five games right. coming up. And then you fact, that's, that's following... Obviously, the European game. So this was the first of three games in five days for Manchester United. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer decided to uh, go uh, strong, although he left Cavani on the bench, which I would have expected anyway, just considering uh, he's like 46 now or however old he is. Key moments. First, I mean, it looked like the blitz, Craig, at the start. Manchester United were... uh, It it seemed that the, the initial game plan was like just land the knockout blow early doors and then you can coast through the rest of the game because they uh, they really at- attacked us from all angles with uh, like a swarm of players with real intent and I think Villa did well to weather that initial storm. We, we just started slowly, didn't we? Yeah, Martinez had a couple of saves to make but luckily enough they were reasonably straightforward. You, you were waiting for a reaction from Villa. I've got to admit, I thought this is going to be a long day for Martinez but Villa uh, suddenly uh, pretty much replicated what they started to do against Everton and uh, got a foothold in the game and became a threat and uh, you know gave United something serious to think about during that first half. The first half, it's hard to criticise really anything in the first half because, like you said, the way United came out and attacked down attacked down the, the cash side as usual because the, the, they've done their homework, they know the Triori isn't as good at tracking back and whipping the ball in. But then as soon as Villa started to play that ball again that worked so well against Everton to get it down, to get Watkins to chase after it, and Villa and McGinn was playing higher, so they did start to press United at the back because... Harry Maguire and Lindelof with the ball at their feet. They're just a, an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I thought we looked pretty good in the first half, actually. I thought it's hard to say if we necessarily deserve to go in ahead, but I thought when we got the chance to, we took the goal brilliant. The trailer goal was a cracking strike. And um, it, was, it was it was amazing. I mean, he's, he's I mean, we talked about this in uh, Match Club. Uh, he is like a super wild card. I think I described him as he's, he's just got this massive spectrum of ability uh, but you never know what you're going to get it's, it's like genius one end and uh, shambolic uh, the other end and anything and who knows in between it's just um but it's a you know great finish you thought right we we're, we're really in the game here we we've kind of soaked up a lot of pressure man you I didn't think were particularly sharp in the final third but they looked like they were you know they could cause us problems and, so, and then you go in ahead and you think Right, okay. Well, that was the interesting thing because you'd have noticed Villa, the, their game management from about uh, late 30s to half time. They, at any opportunity, they tried to break down any momentum Manchester United tried to get going. And, you know, they were playing it around the back just to kind of slow it down and uh, just see it, see it out. So they went into the half at 1 0. And, and you're pretty happy with that because we'd shown enough threat and intent on the break I did say at half time in match club I think it's next goal wins literally mm-hmm. and it didn't take them long I think they decided well let's not wait until the uh, the dying embers of the game here let's play the old uh, 
play for the penalty trick early doors and uh, you know let's go on and make sure we win this comfortably. They even started too at the end of the first half whenever they knew that they were sort of in a game. It's like you just say it, they get the ball in and around the corners of the, the penalty box or in it and they just retain possession in the penalty box like force you to make a tackle or an effort to get the ball. Yeah, yeah lots of one-twos isn't there around the, uh, the edge of the box. They're just looking for that just for that moment they can slip it into like a, a 50-50 situation where you know you can leave a drag in leg or, or whatever I mean they know the dark hearts down to the ground I mean Smith uh, as you heard at the start of the podcast it was not happy at all and you know this is there's a reason why we had a, a put a sweepstake up on Twitter because it happens every game and it's the third time uh, that Smith has uh, experienced it and he's you know he's, he's no surprise he's pissed I don't know that it's almost like they're influencing the referee all the time because uh, Bruno Fernandes was was in the referee's ear all through the first half. It's almost like he's laying the foundations. Yeah, there was that crazy moment where uh, they went to take a free kick after Conzo was down, and uh, Fernandes just ran up as if he was going to knock the ball and then empty empty goal there. But Martinez did the right thing, but just sort of removing that query by picking the ball up because. If Fernandez had put that in, I'm sure VAR would have found some way to say Villa had already taken the free kick or something like that. There was just something in it. <laughs> Too cynical, Phil. Too cynical. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> they, they got that penalty seven minutes into the first half and uh, it was a quick one too, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, let's talk about the penalty first. What's your reading of it? <sighs> um, Pogba's not stupid, is Pogba's he? Pogba's not stupid. You, you can kind of see what he's going to do. And you can, you can see the play developing. That's the frustrating thing. And you can see what Louise is there. And it's, it's one of those things where if you're in the ground or when I'm in the ground, I'm just screaming, don't don't dive in, don't dive in, don't dive in. And he just leaves his leg tray and you think, he's going to go over it. So when he goes over it, you know the penalty is going to be given. As much as it's frustrating and he's playing for it, because the first challenge he does well, he, he stands he up and you think, okay, he's got him here, and then it's just just hold your position, don't don't fucking dive in, you don't need to at this moment in time, and a bit of naivety. Yeah, it was it was naive completely, and and as Smith said it himself, you know, obviously when the you know, Fernandez doesn't seem to miss penalties ever, and well, that's that, because he that, fucking that, wait, yeah. he waits <laughs> until the goalkeeper's lying down, and then he just taps yeah. it in the opposite corner, and then the penalty, as Smith said, it just changed Villa mentally. We, you can see our confidence is still fragile, 
And once Man United got level, you just knew the inevitability was there. And the second came three, was it three minutes later? It's not just the players though, is it? Because as no. supporters, supporters, we go, yeah. we, we all thought, ah, shit, here we go again. Yeah, no, we know, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah and see, uh, even that influences the second goal because Mings isn't touched tight on Greenwood because of that. I mean, he knows that if he's touched tight on him, he could go over again. So he gives him too much space and, well, he turns him and that's it. I mean, how, how do you, I mean, it's, this is an age old problem nowadays. And, and you thought that television, I mean, literally every game is screened. You, you would think that with replays and the technology that this would put players off, but it doesn't at all. No. It's, embol- it's, em- it's emboldened them to actually, yeah. if they can now justify it with any sort of touch, you know, down they go and they'll go, oh, the te- television cameras will show that there was a touch there, so down I go. Well, yeah, and this is the interesting thing, because then VAR comes in and you think, oh, good, finally, something to get rid of these cheating bastards, and it'll hopefully change the culture of the game. And then you see how these decisions are analysed, and they slow it right down, and they're just looking for a touch. They're not analysing what kind of touch it is. They're not analyzing whether that leg is there purposely and it's you know it's left dragging behind to invite the touch they don't they don't really care because it's slow motion oh yeah it touched in penalty they can do the old interpretation of the handball there's something pure about where well, if it touches your hand it's a penalty it doesn't matter if it's intense or not the ball did uh, touch greenwood's hand and there was yeah. contact for watkins this is why smith is all right it's it's not necessarily the decisions per se. It's the constant fucking inconsistency of the referees. He mentioned the Raheem Sterling one the day before in the City-Chelsea game where I think um, Sterling has th- I think it's like four four bites at the cherry with this contact, goes down and he still doesn't get the penalty. And then the same thing happens the next day and, and Pogba gets it. So, I mean, it's just we've, we've come to expect this with Man United and most teams have. I mean, I sort of cynically and, and somewhat, you know, having a bit of a whinge, always mention that you play Man U, you start a goal down. Well, ultimately, they are 100% playing for all of these penalties. They're they not stupid. Of course they are. The only player, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to uh, the Watkins situation later, but in terms of the Villa, the only player that plays four free kicks and applies some of the dark arts is, is Jack Grealish. He plays, you know, he knows when he's going to get failed and it's, and it's you know, it's not like you're not accusing him of diving or whatever. He is inviting the challenge. He knows that, oh, I'm surrounded by three players here. I'll, I'll get the free kick. It's easier. It's part of the game now. It's no big deal. I mean, you could criticise, uh, I mean, as uh, Smith's alluded to, if, you know, do we criticise players now for not playing like that? Because if we were of that mindset, we'd probably uh, get a lot more results. Like, for example, Smith said, you know, am I to tell Keenan Davis from now on, right? when you're in that position that you're in just slow down invite the challenge and throw yourself you know, to the floor. Leave, leave a leg dangling and th- make sure it touches and throw yourself to the floor because that's where we're you know where we're at but there is that that whole interpretation thing that i just mentioned they just look on slow motion for a touch and they go oh there it is but they don't actually take the context of that touch although they you know they say with handball there is context to it you know Watkins, uh, the situation. He he was he was gone before he uh, he was touched by Hen- Henderson there. So that would have been a super soft penalty, I think. But he's not really doing anything in terms of simulation that uh, you know Manchester United normally do against us. That's the frustration. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, and I'm sure you agree, it's not necessarily that it's a penalty. Some people, you know, the diehards will say it's a stonewall penalty. There's contact. For me, it isn't a penalty, but. Yeah. Just because a player goes down doesn't mean it's simulation. It's not a penalty. You just you know you give the goal kick and go right. Play on. If VAR overturns a penalty decision, you never see the player getting booked afterwards. It's just like swept under no. the carpet. On so 
No, you know, if, the, if the referee um, had given the penalty instead of running at a hundred mile an hour with the yellow card out before Watkins had even landed, you know, it would have been a lot. It would have been a lot simpler. Yeah. They should have. Uh, it'd be funny if they they gave the penalty for United, but just booked Pogba because he knew he played for it. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously you now you have the you know the. the the Watkins rare, and obviously, you know, the, the Cavani third goal, it kind of, it's, it's game over at this point. Anyway, Villa don't look like they're going to get an equaliser, but it, it kind of, it just puts the gloss on it for Manu, but it's a bit harsh on Villa, frankly. Well, that, I mean, that, I, I, I but pulled But it was a moment point. of quality, to be fair. I pulled that point up uh, in Match Club. When that, the first sub, or first round of the subs, because both United and Villa made the substitute at the same time, they brought on Cavani, 2-1 up. They're bringing him on because they want to finish off this game. And, you know, they're bringing on uh, somebody who's a bit wise. Well, you know, he's kind of world-class striker. So uh, that goes without saying. But there's there's real intent on what they're trying to do with that substitution. We bring on young Ramsey. And it's like, well, the, the signs that that gives out is it's almost like, oh, we need to, you know, we need some fresh legs to keep in this. Rather than, I think you said, uh, Chris, kitchen sink it you know just bring on Wesley and uh, Davis that should be your first reaction earlier on because we had uh, you know I think they're playing the conservative game well we might be able to nick something back but there was just something about the intent of United substitute and Villas was more on hope well if we can just contain them we might be able to nick something and get the draw when you know you're at the end of the season here we're not exactly doing anything you might as well kitchen sink it a bit earlier if you if you're trailing at home Especially if, you know, Smith's come out and said, oh, well, Wesley needs the minutes. I'm like, well, if you're not expected to get anything out of the game anyway, what's the worst that's going to happen against the team you maybe don't on paper expect to win? Just throw the kitchen sink at it and see. And if you end up losing 3-1, which you did anyway, yeah. it's almost like you've lost 3-1 by not going for it. And that it just doesn't, doesn't run for me, that. It's a bit frustrating. And, you know, further down the line, when we're in, let's say, hopefully we progress into a team that's challenging for things, and where you need really need that winning mentality where you've got to roll the dice sometimes to you know give it that extra extra 5% that might get you something from something uh, you wouldn't normally expect this is a bit limp and weak which has basically been villa's year hasn't it so far limp weak aimless it's just it's kind of if if 90 minutes yet again we say this every fucking week but if 90 minutes could sum up our season <laughs> this game again you know moments of quality stupid decision making silly mistakes done 2021 in a nutshell another opportunity another opportunity missed when all the teams around us won as well so tell me now who had the most touches wesley or keenan davis oh ho, ho, ho. i'm going to go with keenan 14 minutes keenan i'll go wesley and how many keenan in uh, 8 Phil, I'll say eleven. Okay, now what game were you watching, boys? <laughs> Keenan, uh, Keenan Davis uh, had the most touches with five. Wesley had three. So that was throwing the kitchen sink. I mean, Davis at them. did have that chance, didn't he? Where he kind of he, he does really well out wide, cuts inside. And you think, go on, take the shot, man. Be selfish. Act like a fucking striker. And he tries to tee at Watkins. You'd think, what are you doing there? Like you've yeah. you've earned the right there. You've done all the hard work. Bury it. Was it that obvious a shot for somebody yeah. like him who's quite in his brain? He's more there to service other people. I, I kind of wasn't surprised he tried to lay that one off, even though I don't think ultimately it was the right decision. I mean, Watkins, there was a, there was a man on Watkins close to him. I mean, Watkins barely got that shot up, shot away yeah. before it was blocked. Some summed up the frustrations really. You would have been surprised on his left foot if uh, da- Davis had scored from there. Maybe not Truro. 
No, who knows, <laughs> but, who knows but, but what Davis, he's going to do, frankly. But it's it's a worrying trend because if you look at it now, Villa have lost eight Premier League matches at home this season. Only Sheffield United and Fulham have lost more. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't read into that as having significance. I think Everton's home form has been dreadful. Arsenal have had crap home form. I think everyone has, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not reading into that just because of the uh, you know the behind closed door situation. I, I, read, I read more into the manner of some of them, to be honest. Yeah, I, I read into the getting beat thing, but not... It's not like, oh, we've got problems at Villa Park. You know, how we're going to address that. It's just like put some fans in and, you know, there should be an improvement. No, but if, if all grounds are equal, you don't want Sheffield United and Fulham to be the only teams worse than you. Yeah. True. True. But, you know, when uh, people are always, I think they've they've uh, gone a bit more quiet, but talking about context, when you look at the context of what's happened uh, this second half of the season, where we are, and you factor in the context of how much money we've spent and where we were, you know, where we finished last season. And then you look at the fact that Leeds now have uh, jumped us and, you know, Arsenal have jumped us and you're thinking... And Wolves have somehow caught us up as well. Yeah, I don't think we're finishing in the top half. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, that is how you can tick the box on this season or underline it and say, yeah, it's been a season of progress considering, you know, the money we've spent. But where we were last season, you could say top half finish, no problem. Now you're in a situation where you finish lower half. And if we go below Wolves, but also Leeds have finished above us. And the context... It's not, it's not a good luck, man. Context there, Championship Club last season. Also, uh, you look at compare and contrast games against Manchester City, Liverpool and Manchester United. They've also have played all those three teams in recent weeks. They haven't been beaten by any of them they've got five points from those barely games barely conceded a goal while Aston Villa have got nil point so it there's another show, comparison shows where we're at, at the moment doesn't it well yeah there's concerns then you know the defence I think is fine and it's all about sorting that midfield balance out and it's not just a simple case of drafting Grealish in and he waves a magic wand and it all turns alright because we were stuttering and spluttering uh, while he was there and as I explained in Match Club it's a situation where if we had forward momentum and we were doing well and Grealish gets injured it's like well you know we've got the momentum to hopefully carry on despite him because there'd be a belief but the problem was we were on a downward spiral at the time you know, failing to beat that that Burnley game flipped it when we were, played great in the first half, but somehow found a way to lose the game. Firing blanks against Brighton, and this is you know when Grealish was in the team, and and then suddenly we're losing momentum because this is an easy passage of fixtures, or supposedly, and then so you lose Grealish, and then suddenly you've lost momentum, but you've also lost your best player, and it's the only way is down really, isn't it? It's hard to redress the balance uh, when psychologically you've also lost your best player. I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd, I'd, you, just, you look at the running, you know, you look at our running of what we've got to come and you think we've got to get, it's probably a good thing to be honest, having the Everton game relatively quickly after United to kind of have that attitude of right, we need to put things right, we need to get back to the levels. Bad news, we lost Watkins, who yeah. was the main reason we beat them last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it means you're going to have to play a very different way, aren't we now, with Keenan? Probably Keenan Davis down the middle. Um, I mean, it, it will speak for itself. I don't think it will happen, but if he was to play someone like an Ghazi down the middle, it would really make a point in terms of what he thinks about his striking options. But I think Keenan will start. But we are going to have to, you'll have to beat Everton in a different way now. But I think it's not like compared to some of the games we've had in recent years that were huge. But in terms of this season, where I wouldn't say we've had a quote unquote big game, 
This is about as close to a big game as we get. This is our game in hand. This is our chance to get back into ninth position ahead of Leeds and Arsenal going into that running of those final three games. And we are and we're going to need to win games to stay in the top half because I think out of what four games left, you're probably going to have to win three because I look at Leeds' fixtures and think they could easily win all of them and Arsenal could easily win all of theirs as well. We won't go above Arsenal if we win it. Will we not? No, because we're four points, the behind, four points behind them. Right, so okay, it's uh, just a matter of Leeds. And uh, the thing is, Leeds have now dealt and got points from their hard fixtures and now they've got a reasonable, breezy yeah, running. Run for them. I mean, ultimately, I think if we if we are to get a top 10 finish now with the games we have, you'd have to dot your cap to the team and the manager and say fair play because with those fixtures, I, I just don't see it. No, I don't I see it. I just don't see yeah. it. And you know, it just I've just to say it again that the Leeds comparison, five points from those games, from games where they even beat Manchester City with ten men, and we had a man advantage against Manchester City and didn't beat them. Leeds got eight, haven't they? If you if you factor in Tottenham, they've got they've played f- uh, four of the big six and they've got and they've taken you know, eight points from it, barely conceded a goal in the process. Also, uh, in in the comparison there. We Villa were actually 1-0 up in all of those three games and failed to get any points from it. Fact, the fact of the matter is Leeds have got their shit together at the moment. We haven't. You know, Smith says we've, you know, we always finish strongly. Well, all right then, Dina. Prove me wrong, but I'm not seeing it. You know, we're not obsessed with Leeds here. This not is just... It's, it's the nearest comparison. It, it doesn't... No, it's, it's more like it doesn't matter what the team name is. It's a championship team that got promoted... And uh, it could be anyone, to be fair. Could be anybody who's got promoted. That's the the situation. It's just to put a, a knife into that context thing where people say, "Oh, well, we only just escaped relegation last season, so this is a yeah." So did West, West Ham. West Ham. <laughs> and we spent more money than any of these teams uh, to improve the team, breaking our transfer record, etc. It does show when you look at the points difference we had on Arsenal and Leeds at one point around Christmas, and when we obviously went to Ellen Road and won and beat Arsenal in that period. It shows how much our form fell off a cliff this year, but let's let's just draw a line under Man United because, frankly, I fucking hate them. The reality is, I mean, you can finish ninth, you could finish 14th, 13th. It doesn't really matter. The concern is uh, performances and how we've gone from uh, being 8, 10, 11 points above certain teams and letting them overtake us. Right, uh, just before we go on to uh, over... Rated or underrated? I just want to say thank you very much to the My Old Man Said patrons for listening to the show and also joining us, uh, especially the ones that join us in Match Club, to brighten up our weeks and uh, enjoy our uh, group therapy, group therapy, <laughs> and uh, hearty banter and hijinks. And also a special thank you to Paul Russell and Phil Howcroft for uh, signing up to be a My Old Man Said patron. Please do uh, consider joining them to support the show and you will also get access to extra My Old Man Said podcast channel plus access to uh, Match Club. If you want to uh, sign up uh, as an annual member, that will save you uh, 15%, which is two months free. So go to myoldmansaid.com and check out the patron option on the menu bar right underrated or overrated right this uh this week we're we're, so we we always deliberate uh obviously who we're gonna have but we just thought we'd try to get one that we could finish off quickly because we knew we were going to be ranting about that manchester united game so mr kieran richardson you may remember him uh from was it lambert uh, yeah well, well I'll, yeah, ask lambert's question. Him, 
I'll ask the question, why, why did we sign him? Well, Lambert, being Lambert, um, had a complete change of ethos just seemingly overnight. And he went from young and hungry to past it because... <laughs> <laughs> Red- Him and Philip Senderos and Joe yeah. Cole, won not it? Senderos, Cole, don't forget Ali Sissoko as well. Ah, yes, of course. This, I think this was the period behind the scenes uh, where, uh, Mr. Lerner, what's my transfer budget for the summer? Uh, transfer budget, to yeah, you Paul? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, I think this was where... This is where you're kind of watching Lambert just squirm around as if he's just got a slight pulse and he's just really asking to be put out of his misery. You almost feel sorry for him, don't you, at this point? <laughs> you mm. almost feel, almost feel yeah. sorry for you him. You can either have a transfer budget or a new contract. What do you want, Paul? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You choose wrong. <laughs> Gabby got a new contract, didn't he, that year? So uh, you you were kind of thinking, I mean, normally, uh, I mean, normally you, you probably wouldn't get Richardson, uh, especially at this time in his uh, career. But uh, you're thinking, well, maybe useful, you know, squad filler. This is where people uh, cling on to uh, false hope, really. They think, oh, Manchester United, uh, England international, maybe it'll work. You know, maybe he surely is a certain calibre of player. I mean, for God's sake, we've been playing uh, Bakuna at fullback. It's got to be an, an improvement on that. But no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this isn't going to take long. Villa Korea. I mean, my highlight, and it almost made up for pretty much everything he didn't do or did do, was uh, when we we went two one up against Liverpool in at Wembley in the uh, FA Cup semi final. He was standing on the back stick and he he headed one off the line. You remember that? I do Mm -hmm. remember that. Oh, good. (laughs) I was having to rack my brains for Kieran Richardson. Positive there memories. Li- there was a little pause there, and I, and I was thinking maybe I've just made that yeah. up. Just I remember to, uh, getting sent off. Was it against the baggies? He got sent off. Yeah, he got sent yeah. off in a derby game, didn't he? If anything, one of the few things I do remember of him was actually him scoring against us for Fulham. He scored a worldie, didn't he? The, I think it was the season before. It's hard to uh, give him a hard time considering he did play a, a big part with that clearance in beating the Scouse at Wembley, which uh, that is our proud record, one hundred percent record against Liverpool at Wembley. Hmm. Over the entire football history. So it, it just, well, he was in the infamous team that got relegated with, was it minus 16 points or whatever they finished on? <laughs> he, was, he was more famous for having it off with uh, Leandro Bacuna, wasn't he? That was that famous one. That, what, sexually? Was, yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, uh, I think I guess there's an Agbonlahor story after he uh, retired. And it was, it was obviously when Roy Keane was at the club and they were obviously both both playing a bit shit at the time and they ended up having a punch up on the training gown and obviously got dragged into the you know, the manager's office and after it was uh, after it was done Roy Keane said apparently well you both need boxing lessons for starters no one connected there we'll call that one a board draw so even Roy Keane was unimpressed by their lack of ability to even fight properly you could say that he was partly responsible for uh, Richardson coming to the club because he used to manage Sunderland yeah uh, it was when- their record signing when Keane bought them it showed how good a judge of a player Keane was wasn't it yeah when Richardson was there he should have stuck to his original sort of opinion on Richardson whenever he, he rolled in the United's training ground at 18 with the music blaring and the roof down and Keane told him, you home now, none of that, that's it. Yeah, I quite like that actually. Yeah, because Keane didn't like uh, fancy Dan, young fancy Dan footballers. But you'd have thought, I mean, it's more than a, more than surely more than a coincidence that, uh, I mean, Keane must have greenlit that. Presuming, so. presuming Keane was at the club when he actually yeah he'd have, he'd have probably he'd have probably thought he could get a tune out of him even if it was just for a season or a few games of a season yeah bit of a naff tune <laughs> right so where where did he go when he left uh, the wonderful Aston Villa 
left us for dead in the championship for three seasons. Yeah. Well, the good news is uh, for just leaving us like that, he only played six more games uh, of Ever. football. Ever for Cardiff City, who were equally crap at that point, and then uh, and then obviously was I presume he was released by them. But he found um, it was two thousand and seven, wasn't it? He found God. He's like a born again Christian, which is kind of the, the interesting side of his of his of his football career because he openly admitted to being a bit of a sort of lost soul, didn't he? He was more obsessed with sort of houses and cars and the the lifestyle at Manchester United and lost his way. Funny enough, though, this coincides with him leaving uh, Manchester United. So. Uh, yep. So he needed to replace Alex Ferguson with somebody. Mm. <laughs> and God, I think, uh, stepped up there. And that's not like Paul McGrath, that's the, the main yeah. man. Well, Paul McGrath is the main man. So that's the, the, the second uh, God that you may have heard of. It was the complete opposite of the way that he played in the pitch. Some of, the, some of those excuses for tackles that he made. Two-footed career and efforts all over the place. No, I mean, I mean he said, you know, he obviously tried, wanted to sort his life out, didn't he? But he ended up on trial with uh, Nigel Rio Coker playing for Tony Adams at Granada, which never never went anywhere. That sounds like going straight to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be a born-again Christian and going through the wrong door to, when you sign up. And spotting Nigel Rear Coke going, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Nigel? And Tony Adams, what on earth are you doing here in your blue suit? <laughs> why is there flames everywhere here? <laughs> and Tony Adams, why have you got a trident? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so what happened to him? Where is he now? Well, he tried to find a new club in 2019. He was desperately on Twitter trying to come out of retirement saying, I'm calling on the power of social media to retweet this in a bid to help me secure a new club. I feel fit and ready. Life isn't the same without football. I bet your bank balance isn't. Are you sure, are you sure he wasn't on MySpace? Because uh, if he was on Twitter, he'd have probably found a club. Yeah, because he just seems to have dropped off the grid completely. Yeah. But he, he may fell, fall back on an art career because um, apparently he's quite a talented artist and um, he once drew a picture with blue crayons that Sir Alex Ferguson put up, put up in his office of like the Manchester skyline. So oh. no, there's talent there somewhere. He's probably, if you search Etsy for yeah, Kieran, Ri- Kieran, Kieran Richardson. Richardson, that might be where he's uh, earning uh, an income nowadays. Right, Kieran Richardson, underrated or overrated? Phil? Overrated, like every one of those signings in that season. It's yeah, like just my, overrated, man. My heart just yeah. fell out of myself. I mean, we didn't exactly expect the world of him, and he still managed to underperform. Now, this is somebody who uh, survived literally through his career on the uh, the stardust of uh, coming through the ranks at Manchester United, which ultimately even propelled him to an England uh, squad or two. So I think we were bamboozled by that and... Uh, you know, but still that header off the line at Wembley, you know. Every every dog has his day. But yeah, overrated for me. You know, if you're getting relegated with uh, barely any points on the board, then that just tells you that pretty much everybody in that team is uh, overrated to be a Premier League player. And we weren't exactly great the season before. Slam the hammer down. That is it. Right. Thank you very much for joining us again. Please do uh, follow the podcast on its own Twitter address. It's different from my the main uh, mom's Twitter address, it's at my old man said, like the, what the main one should be. But, you know, I got that one later on in the process. Also, make sure you do follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify or Pocket Cast or Pod Addict, Podbean or wherever else you uh, listen to your uh, podcasts. And most of all, if you want extra podcasts and there's a few coming off the conveyor belt this week, do... Uh, 
sign up to be a My Old Man Said patron and join us in Match Club on Thursday night. The last uh, Match Club for an Everton game, which was last week because we play them every week nowadays, was uh, was a decent one. So hopefully uh, more fun on Thursday evening uh, will ensue this week too. Right, any final words before we leave? Gents? I don't want to talk about Man United anymore. Ever again. Pity they hadn't fucked off to the Super League. Yeah, just fuck off to the Super League and be done with you. Right, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.